1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 3. For our exhortation, our preaching, was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile. Now you'll recall in chapter 2, Paul is telling us how he nurtured this church. Chapter 1 tells us how the church was born. Chapter 2 tells us how Paul nurtured the church. In chapter 1, we have Paul the evangelist, winning souls to Christ. In chapter 2, we have Paul the pastor, taking these new converts and building them up in the faith. And this is just as much a part of the Great Commission as evangelism. You know, over in Matthew chapter 28, the Lord has given to us our marching orders. Churches today need to be reminded of what our job is. In Matthew 28, 19, and 20, Jesus says, Go ye therefore and teach, and that word teach means make disciples, make converts, evangelize. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Now, the commission involves winning souls, baptizing these people, and then teaching them the word of God. Now, many organizations today are winning souls, but only the local church can fulfill all of the Great Commission. I thank God for every soul-winning agency in the world today. Our church cooperates with a number of agencies that help to win souls in areas where I can't go. Perhaps you can't go. But you know, we cooperate with these agencies because they cooperate with the local church. I would not give one dime or one bit of support to an organization trying to take the place of the local church. Because these extra church organizations can win souls, but they can't baptize them, and they certainly can't give them the kind of church teaching that only can be found in a local assembly. And so Paul, after he founded this church, fulfilled the rest of the commission by teaching them the word of God. Now, he tells us in verse 3 of 1 Thessalonians 2 what kind of preaching and teaching he did. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile. This was the pattern Paul followed in his ministry. He preached the right message. It was not of deceit. He preached the truth of the word of God. Now, that's important. I wouldn't support a local church where the pastor wasn't teaching the Word of God honestly. This doesn't mean that every pastor has to be a great teacher of the Word. According to the letter that Paul wrote to Timothy, a pastor should be apt to teach, but he need not be a great scholar or a great teacher of the Word to be faithful to the Word. And Paul says the preaching, the message, was not deceitful. My message was the truth of the word of God. Then he said it was not of uncleanness. That means his motive was right. The message has to be right and the motive has to be right. Nor of uncleanness, impure motive. And finally, the method has to be right. Nor in guile. The word guile here means baiting the hook. Paul did not use bait. Paul did not use hooks. Paul did not use some kind of strange worldly method to bring people in to the fellowship of God's saints. He used the right method. Now, I've heard people say, I don't care what method you use as long as your message is right. That's not scriptural. There is an apostolic method just as much as there is an apostolic message. Now, verse 3 tells me as a preacher that if my ministry is going to be what it ought to be, I must have the right message, the right motive, and the right method. 
Now, there's some methods I don't think God can bless. They're deceitful. I personally don't believe that we have to turn our churches into sideshows, circuses to win people to Christ. I don't like this, what I call, salesmanship approach to winning people to Christ, where you use Madison Avenue techniques that are smooth and persuasive, but the Holy Spirit's not there. You know, when Paul went into Thessalonica, he didn't use Madison Avenue techniques. He just simply preached the Word of God and taught the Word of God and lived the Word of God in the power of the Holy Spirit, and God blessed. Paul did not seek the backing and the endorsement of those who were not following the Lord Jesus Christ. His method was scriptural. Now, I don't want anyone ever to say to me, well, I don't care what his methods are as long as his message is right. We must have the right message, the right motive, and the right method. Any method I use that is deceitful, any method I use that is baiting the hook is not going to be blessed of God. Now, some people say, well, as long as you're winning souls, what difference does it make? If you'll turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, you'll find out what difference it makes. Please don't let somebody's seeming success blind you to the truth of God's word. I'm willing to let God be the final judge. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, judge nothing before the time when Jesus shall come. And then every man's heart is going to be made manifest. And I think when the Lord comes back and we stand before him, some works that we thought were very successful and very great are going to turn out to be ashes. And some works where uh, we didn't hear about it, it wasn't written up in the magazines or the newspapers, is going to shine with glory. Let's be very careful not to use worldly standards by measuring the work of the Lord. In 2 Timothy 2.5, Paul says this, And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. Let me read this to you from the New American Standard Version. Verse 5 of 2 Timothy 2, And also if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. Now, this is very plain and very obvious. Paul's talking about the Olympic Games that they had back in Greece. And you know, after a person ran the race or entered the contest, he had to prove he had kept the rules. We've had occasion in the national and the international Olympics where someone has had to forfeit his prize because he broke the rules. I think the great athlete Jim Thorpe had to give back his medal because it, they discovered he had broken one of the training rules. Now, it isn't enough to win the prize. It isn't enough to win the race. We also must obey the rules. And when God judges us who are serving him, when Sunday school teachers and deacons and trustees and preachers and evangelists and missionaries and church members stand before God, he's going to say, did you use the right methods? Did you compete according to the rules or did you write your own rules? Now, you and I have no right to change God's rules. And any method in a local church that is deceitful, that baits the hook, that is pretense and masquerade, trying to fool sinners into coming and being saved is wrong, and God will not bless it. You say, but we see results. Well, frankly, there's a big difference between man-made results and spiritual fruit. I believe that we need to update 
our approaches to things. I thank God for modern conveniences in our church, for air conditioning and PA systems. I thank God for movie projectors whereby missionaries can take us to their field. I thank God for tape recorders. These are tools that we use, but what is the method? The method for winning souls is that the man of God is filled with the Spirit of God, and he takes the Word of God and preaches the Son of God. And day by day, in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and to preach Jesus Christ. This is God's method, and this is the method Paul used in Thessalonica. Now, verse 4, But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts. For neither at any time used we flattering words, as ye know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome, or literally, when we might have used our authority as the apostles of Christ. We've pointed out in previous lessons that chapter 2 is divided up into four parts. In verses 1 through 6, we see Paul the faithful steward. 7 and 8, Paul the gentle nurse. 9 through 13, Paul the concerned father. And 14 through 20, Paul the loving brother. Now these verses complete the first section, Paul the faithful steward. A faithful steward has a price to pay, verse 2, he suffered. He has a pattern to follow, verse 3, in his message, his motive, and his method. There's also a person to please. If I'm going to be a faithful steward of the word of God, I must please the one who called me. Now, my job is not to please man. Paul said, I was allowed of God. He had tested me, and he put me in trust with the gospel. He found that I was faithful, and he entrusted me with the gospel. And oh, what a tremendous obligation that is. I wonder if Sunday school teachers realize what a tremendous responsibility it is to handle the Word of God. Do you know that those of us who handle the Word of God are going to have greater judgment before God than ordinary people in the church who are not handling God's Word? The book of James tells us this. The book of James, chapter 3, verse 1. My brethren, be not many masters, be not many teachers, knowing that we teachers shall receive the greater judgment. Now, why is this so? Because to whom much is given, much shall be required. If I'm teaching the Bible to others, I had better be living it myself. And God's going to judge us the more severely because we can lead people astray if we're not careful in this ministry of the word. So Paul says we were put in trust with the gospel, not as pleasing man, but God, which trieth our hearts. Now, in verse 4, he says stewards are supposed to please God. After all, he's the one who called us. You can imagine somebody being hired by Procter & Gamble and then not paying any attention to what Procter & Gamble says, but trying to please the people over at some other place. Now, look, as a Christian, our job is to please God, not to please men. Now, there are many churches today that have gone right down the drain because preachers have tried to please men. They've tried to please other preachers, go along with the crowd, tried to please the denomination. There's nothing wrong with churches working together as a denomination as long as they're seeking to please God. But, you know, in many places, if the church doesn't go along with the program, you're outlawed. You're, you're an outcast. You're unclean. And it's a difficult thing today for a God-fearing preacher just to preach the Word of God, not to please men. Now, it's very easy to please men. We can see men. We can't see God. 
And the praises and the blame of man we feel today, God's praise we don't feel today. We won't get our reward until Jesus comes back. But Paul said a faithful steward doesn't live to please man. He lives to please God. You'll recall Jesus said, I do always those things that please him. In Acts chapter 4, when the apostles were persecuted and arrested, they said, it's not right for us to please men. We're going to please God. We're going to do what God wants us to do. Acts chapter 4, verses 18 through 21. In Galatians chapter 1, Paul said, if I please men, I won't be a servant of Christ. Now, the book of Proverbs tells us, when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. I feel sorry for people who try to please other people. I feel sorry for preachers who cater and Sunday school teachers who cater to the appetites and desires of the people they're trying to serve. Our responsibility is to please God. Why? Because God tries our hearts. See, God sees the motives. God knows what's going on down inside. God knows why we preach what we preach and why we don't preach what we don't preach. God is trying our hearts today, preparing us for future opportunity and preparing us for future blessing and reward. And if God looks at my heart and discovers my heart is not faithful, he takes away his hand of blessing. In verse 5, we find some of the ways that we can please men. We don't have time to go into this now, so we'll pick it up in our next lesson. Let me close this simple little lesson by exhorting you to follow Paul's method of doing things, to please the Lord in your teaching and your preaching and your Christian living, and not to seek to please men. Well, this is Pastor Warren Wearsby at the Calvary Baptist Church in Covington, Kentucky. This program is What's the Good Word? I'm glad you've tuned our way. And the Lord willing, in our next lesson, we'll take up verse 5 and verse 6 to see how God wants us to live.